What's going on, America? It's Sherman Obed back here once again with what's book entertainment, the sports entertainment talk. Excuse me, the sports and entertainment talk show for the fans by the fans, bringing you back the latest and greatest once again here. Obed, how's it goes, it my friend? Living the dream every day, Sherman. How about yourself, sir? I, hey, you know what? Like I say before, I can always complain, but why bother? I'm doing, gotta do what I can. Hey, I'm only one man, you know. <laughs> you know, so much. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely glad to be back in action here. Um, dude, I just want to talk about a couple of things before we really get into the whole, you know, talk about sports and it's going on, what's going on in basketball and football and things like that. Dude, what's happening in the world these days? This, the whole epidemic of the coronavirus is popping off. People going crazy. You can't buy water and hand sanitizer in the store anymore. It used to be crazy because I remember I was the one being out at work using hand sanitizer like 10 times a day. People were just talking crap about me. Like, oh, why are you using hand sanitizer so much? Now look at yourself. Now people are going nuts about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What is what is happening right now, dude? whole bunch of dirty, funky Ralphies. You remember that? That uh, No, no, no. What's his name? Pigpen. Pigpen from Peanuts Gang. People walking around just putting their dirt everywhere. You know, it, it's unfortunate. <laughs> we can't. We have to tell people how to wash their hands for at least five seconds. Don't go in there, rinse it with water, and then look at me like, what? <laughs> dude, it's just crazy, dude. I mean, I think it's getting a little blown out of proportion. People are going a little nuts. I mean, obviously... You know, if, if you're already sick and, and of course, maybe if you're talking to elderly and things like that, are they, are they young? It's going to affect you a little bit differently than just some normal average age, perfectly fit health person. You know what I mean? So but it's playing a, a, a big role in some of some in sports these days. Some some I heard some news that I think you were telling me before that they're going to start limiting uh, attendance at certain events. Things like that. If you touch on that a little bit, a little bit, if you don't mind. So, uh, you know, international rules soccer has started to uh, implement a lot of rules where, you know, pregame matches, players are no longer shaking hands. Uh, they have banned or at least shut down almost all sporting events in Italy uh, until April, until further notice, along with the quarter of the of the uh, country. Uh, in Germany, they're limiting uh, any events over a thousand people associated with sporting events and saying that they might, you know, cut back even further. Uh, in Euro, uh, European championships played every two years on the off years of the World Cup could be in doubt this year. Uh, it's supposed to be a very big, uh, very exciting event, but you know, I think that people are really concerned about, like, like you said, getting sick, even though it is really only affecting the elderly uh, and not so much the youth, but I think it's more so the elderly. Yeah, it's just crazy how just people are just going, you know, being affected by it. And there's a lot of cases of people passing away and things like that. But you mentioned about, you know, how we were talking about how it's affecting, it, you know, some sporting events. There was even a notice sent around in the, uh, the NBA where they were thinking about, you know, what can we do? What 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 happens if, you know, people start stop attending games, if they limit attendance, you know. And LeBron James was flat out, he was very outspoken about it. He says, yeah, listen, if there's no fans, I'm not playing. You know, I mean, that's why he, he plays it for he plays for his teammates. He plays for the fans. So if there's nobody in attendance, he ain't going out there. I don't know. know. It, which is kind of crazy. I mean, which can you? I, I can't even imagine just watching a, a basketball game with no one in the stands. You know, I, I just think it would just be a, a professional game with no one in the stands. To me, it would just be extremely awkward and weird. You know, no crowd getting hyped at the end of the game when it's tied. No 10 seconds left in the game. You know what I mean? I just don't really know how it can play out. I, I highly doubt that it could. I mean, you know, uh, college, uh, the NCAA just met, stated that, you know, as far as the uh, March Madness and the games during March Madness, the worst case scenario was not canceling the games, but showcasing the games with no one in attendance. 
I just don't know where the energy and excitement comes from. That It sounds like a rec league game on a Tuesday night, right? At least there's still like girlfriends, wives, best friends in the stands for those ones, right? <laughs> right. It's just crazy. You know, speaking of college basketball, as you mentioned, I feel like we, we can get right into you know, our, many of our topics of discussion this week. You know, college basketball this year, I find it – this is probably – the the year that we have ta- we have folks have talking about college basketball the least in a very long time there are no big i feel like there are no big name superstars in college basketball or, or truly powerhouse teams like there used to be i mean maybe it's just me but there's no you know zion and williamson's there's no you know Kyrie. there's no there's no big big there's no lonzo balls and things like that you know and th- this year even a couple past year, DeAndre Ayton, what have you. There's just not really. I feel like college basketball is not the same what it used to be. I'm not sure if it's the one and done rule affecting thing. Is people possibly playing overseas? Like 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 I mentioned, Lonzo Ball, his younger brother, Lamelo Ball, could possibly be in the draft, but he's overseas. You know, is how what is the state of college basketball in your eyes? And is really is it in trouble as far as you know, being the center of, you know, attention at certain moments? Um, so, you know, Sherman, we're in that time of the year where, you know, football, the biggest sport in America, is not being played currently. Uh, you know, baseball is coming into a swing, even though it's America's pastime. I don't think it has the draw or ever will have the draw as much as basketball or football in this country. That being said, I do agree with you that, you know, there, there might be a lot less no, you know, noticeable conversation about college basketball right now, but maybe that's because a lot of the you know small name schools, smaller market schools, are the ones who are getting a little more hype. You think of the Gonzagas, you know, the Butlers playing in the championship, winning the championship as well. University of Virginia, while yes, Virginia is a very large state, wasn't really known for its football, for its basketball prowess, more so its football and uh, lacrosse prowess. Um, I mean, you look at this top 25. We're talking about the top 10 littered with names like Gonzaga, Dayton, Baylor. Uh, San Diego State, Creighton, you know, Seton Hall. It's, some of these smaller schools, you know, not really where, – where, where's the Dukes? Where's the North Carolinas, you know? North Things Carolina's like not even on the map, you know? They, you know, North Carolina's not even ranked this year. Yeah. You know, Duke is what, I think, number – ranked 10 in the eight, in the latest AP poll. But, I mean, you're not seeing the powerhouse schools really, you know, taking over as they used to. Um even, you know, Arizona or Virginia, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just different this year. Co- I feel like college basketball is in trouble of really losing the overall glare and prominence that it once had. And I mean, going into now where we are in the, mo- the month of March now, and Marley, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, are you really excited for March Madness? Like, you know, looking forward to like we used to be? I mean, I used to love the, I used to love the tournament. That's yeah. when I really got yeah. into college, college basketball. Excuse me. Yeah. I wasn't always following throughout the year, but I, I I knew about it. I knew the big names, you know, yeah. like I said before, like the Zions, you know, you know Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony yep. Towns, Andrew Wiggins, yep. these guys like that. But it's just different this year to me, you know. And quite frankly, I don't really know. If I was filling out a bracket, I couldn't tell you who I would pick to, to win it all. And you know who loves that? The NCAA and the betters. Because really the only thing keeping this sport alive right now is, for me – it's the fact that they have these small markets coming up so so that individuals, you know, they start getting more exposure. But really gambling, the aspect of gambling that's changed a lot of sports in this country really makes a difference. Uh, and to your to your point, uh, Sherman, you know, I looked at the last few years of viewership, but really the last like 10, 15 years of viewership for college basketball. And what they've what you see is that depending on who the final is, if they don't not coming from a market that's big enough to 
sustain that kind of readership, they're just not going to get it. You look at a uh, championship final in 2018 between Villanova and, and Michigan that brought in 15.6, like 16.5 million viewers. Uh, when you had a final with Duke against Wisconsin in 2015 that brought in 28 million viewers. You know, I mean, again, you know, there's a lot of Big Duke fans. Off. Big drop off. And then, you know, it's even breaks down to going from the early semis to the championship game where in that same 2018 season, which just was just a down season from them. They really only increased their viewership from 13.3 to 16.5 to the championship game. When you look at again, I'm going to take let's take the UConn uh, UConn in 2014. The early semi with UConn, Florida had 11 and 11.6 million viewers. The final had 21 point. Uh, 0.2 million viewers. You know, they got 10 million more viewers to, to, to uh, view in or, or to clock into the game for UConn mm-hmm. versus Kentucky. Uh, they, they've had up and down viewership. Overall, their viewership has been very high, but you're, you're right. There's no big name stars. There's no one bringing us into the, oh, man, we got to watch. We got to see. He's like, even Kyrie only played like one or two games, and you always tune into Duke to see him on the sideline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think Kyrie played what 11 actual played like 11 games in college and he was still the yep. number one overall pick. And like I mentioned before, you know, even going back to Anthony Davis, John Wall, Derek Rose, big names, you know, coming out with waiting to be see them getting drafted number one overall. You don't really have that this year in college basketball. And I think that's what it's missing. You know, being that draw, that center of attention, like so much was Zion. Zion was must see TV last year. Everyone was glued to their glued to their TVs, watching Zion perform on a nightly basis, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Duke, and it's just not what it was. And quite frankly, like I said, I think college basketball is a, li- a little bit of trouble unless they get that in. You know, you know, this whole one and done thing, you know, it's it's kind of a t- touchy thing. You know, a lot, a lot of some people like it, some people don't mm-hmm. like it. You know, it's I think it's really affecting schools to be this long-term success now because their, their elite players are leaving after one year. So you don't have this dominance like you used to have back in the nineties and even early two thousands. So I think college basketball, we're just at a different time, I guess I'll say it's a different time. I would agree with that. Sherman, do you think that one and done is actually hurting all all of college basketball or just hurting those powerhouses that could bring in those one and done type athletes? You know, overall, it's good. That's a good question, Obed. I think it's it's hurting the powerhouses more than anything. I feel because those smaller schools they weren't really gonna get those big big name dudes anyway. So I feel like it's hurting more the powerhouse, the Dukes, the UNCs, you know, the Yukons, the things like that, uh, schools like that, you know, more than anything because now they're you know like I said they're 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 trying to build for the over the overhaul the next two or three or four years but they're not you know usually like they usually do. But it's actually since now those one and done one and done players are just coming in. and piecing out those smaller schools are now have a chance to be like okay you know what duke's only gonna have you know zion for one year okay you know what next year we might be able to beat duke and now look at duke now you know you know they're not what they were you haven't been in the past you yeah. know even in unc yeah look at them like i said not even ranked this year i think roy williams came out a couple weeks ago and said this is probably his worst team he's ever had <laughs> you know that's 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 speaking a lot so yeah, yeah. so like I said, I think it's just we're at a different time with college basketball. So hopefully, you know, we'll get some big names in moving forward. Speaking of basketball, let's talk about the association, as we mentioned earlier before. Um, man, I really wanted to talk about probably one of the worst teams in the league, which has been one of the worst for the past couple of years, the New York Knicks. I don't know what is gonna is I don't know what is gonna happen with the Knicks. I don't know what should happen with the Knicks. The Knicks are just complete turmoil. One of their biggest 
fans and draws of me at the Knicks and at the Garden, Spike Lee came on the air and said, you know what? He's not even going to games anymore this season. I mean, I don't know whether she, I've, I've actually, I've, I'll say this. I've said it from quite some time. Mike Dolan needs to sell a team. He's running that team into the ground, just like Dan Snyder is with the, with the Washington Redskins. As long as those guys are in charge, they will not be successful. They're not doing what they need to do and let fans you know, be in the seat. They're relying on their prowess. They're relying on that the name more than anything, the, you know, the, the name of the New York Six, Madison Square Garden, things like that, for people to, you know, to draw attention. But you're not bringing in talent. You're not bringing in the right the leadership as far as coaches, as far as team presidents, things like that. I know I just don't see the Knicks getting back to where they used to be, you know, within the nineties. Can they draw big names anymore? I mean, because quite frankly, you know, we got to look at Brooklyn, Brooklyn, even though they just let their coach, uh, coach Atkinson go, but you know, we all, this was a lost season for Brooklyn, you know, that we mentioned, you know, we mentioned Kyrie's out for the year, Kevin Durant, of course, you know, they'll be back next year. They'll be okay. But with the Knicks, everyone assumed, you know, people would go there because it's the garden and you know, it's New York. What's really, what is going on with it, with the Knicks? So bad. I mean, I think it's just a, a, a dedication to mediocrity. I think it's 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 a lack of actually caring about the product that you're putting on the field, much to the, the same, uh, you know, as you speak to Dan Schneider, he doesn't care about the product on the field. He just knows that people will buy the name. That's why it was such a big deal when uh, people were trying to get the name, the Washington Redskins name, uh, the copyright Um falling out so that people could take advantage of it and he knew he needed to keep that copyright he needed to keep that name because they're a brand name people stand by it right it's like blue magic um as far as the knicks go I, i'm concerned about you know the fallout that they had with uh with spike lee because he is one of the most recognizable names in uh a lot of people's lifetimes not just for him as this staunch Knicks fan, but as a actual, you know, uh, humanitarian uh, uh, producer, you know, mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. you know, some part, small part at parts of our, as acting, um, you know, they yes, they have a young nucleus, you know, Julius Randle, uh, Bobby Portis, uh, R.J. Barrett, you know, these guys that they could build around. But, I, you know, I'm really concerned about what could happen to R.J. Barrett's career. It, they, it's become a cesspool. I don't I don't think that they can bring in quality talent uh, to come in there, not even by the droves, right? If, if if Kyrie and KD are willing to take a chance on going to Brooklyn and not even going to uh, the Garden with all of the, the history and the austerity that there is for the name of the Knicks, that's a, that's a really, really bad situation that I feel like, I, you know, I think it's probably about time that the, uh, the uh, NBA steps in and says something about this or, you know, forces their hand here. Yeah, I just don't know where they can really go from here. I mean, it's just so funny because, like I, said, I mentioned before, the you know, Brooklyn, you know, you know, being in the Nets, they were in Jersey before. You know, Brooklyn is still a young, young squad, and you've got this really, you know, I guess young coach and young guys going, you know, there. And all of a sudden, like I said, you get Kyrie, you get KD, and things are looking positive for the future. And I think the Knicks, Dolan was just thinking that people were going to sign. They were all confident they could get KD and things like that, you know, this, I mean, but everything, I feel like everything just, every domino is just falling, you know, 
you know, not in favor of the of the for the Knicks. You know, with the whole dating back. You mentioned Spike Lee dating back to the Charles Oakley incident a couple of years back in the Garden. You know, I, I just don't, really, dude. I'm just, it's just, it's just amazing to me that everything just keep, continuously just goes wrong for them. And I, you know, I don't know what it's gonna take. Like, to me, I well, I, I take that back. To me, it's, it's gonna take Mike Dolan selling the team and bringing in bringing a new ownership, kind of rejuvenating that entire organization and that fan base and bringing new life into that arena. And until, and then once they sign and be able to sign some big name free agents, some, you know, awesome all-stars, it's, you know, and getting a, a two piece or even a three piece, which most teams have this, you know, three headed monster. Um, then they will be, be able to take them to the promised land. Hopefully. I think, I think that's what it's really going to take to be honest with you. I completely agree with you. I, I, I do think it, it it just needs a fresh start. You're not you're not getting there anytime fast with what you've had. I mean, you're on your seventh uh, non-playoff season, ended early, 19-43 finish right now. Uh, you know, they had 16,588 people in attendance that last game that, uh, that Spike Lee wasn't there, which is about, you know, a little under 900 or so, 700 or so people. Uh, t- individual seats for the last time they had the lowest attendance of 15,895 back when Isaiah Thomas was coaching. Wow. It's yeah. I just feel like people are not going to the game anymore. I think at, at that one game where I like to attend, there were, there were chance and the crowd of sell the team, sell the team. Hey, they got a right to it. Those are, those, those are paid. Those are owners. Basically they all sit there. They all own their seats, right? Those PSLs are what are actually paying for, for that place to stay alive. So, you know, you got to think of, take care of your number one. Yeah, man. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Moving on. I don't know if you noticed, uh, Steph Curry returned for the Golden State Warriors the other night. Um, congratulations. He's finally back, but he's, is out. I think now with just with an illness. So he's questionable over Tuesday's game against the Clippers. But my really question is why, why is he returning? This season is completely lost for the Warriors. So I think we talked about this before, I just don't get it. Why risk the potential of injury? Maybe just to kind of get him back in the groove, get him, make sure he's in shape. I don't know. There's no reason for him to play. He needs to sit his butt on the sideline with Clay, rehab, you know, just stay in shape and come back strong next year because they're not going anywhere. They have the worst record in the league. There's no reason for Curry to play. Right? Yeah. It's just, It's, it's, it's silly. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I think it is silly. I, you know, the most I can think is they want to shake the rust off, get him ready for the offseason as part of his. Uh, this is like a continued rehabilitation, right? Get him back into actual games because you figure when he went out was so early in the season, you don't want him to have a lost season of his athleticism, uh, you know, staying in shape because he's out that early with the hand injury, right? If we can get him out there, get him some run, we're not making a run at anything. We're just making sure that he's into his into his rhythm so that when Clay comes back, the two of them can train together over the summer and get ready. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, if that is the case, that would make sense. I get that. But still, if it was me, if I was coaching, I would let him sit his butt and run on the sideline. Anyway, um, moving on. You know, we mentioned we mentioned quickly mentioned about the you know, Warriors. The Clippers. The Clippers had a very good game against the Lakers last night, even though they came out with that loss. But Clippers guard Patrick Beverly had some choice words to say about when asked about was it tough guarding LeBron James, and pretty much just shot that down, saying no, not at all. It's not difficult. It's not hard, or whatever the case is. I, I, just the nerve of this man, the nerve of this man to just simply shut down and say it's not guard to guard LeBron. Are you? I don't. I don't know how much he smoked after that game before he went. <laughs> but I'd like to know. <laughs> He's got the stickiest of Yicky out in that Cali Woo. Um, yeah, you know, there's. I, I I will say this. There's few bad guys in basketball anymore. 
I'm not upset at Patrick Beverly wanting to try out and be that guy trying to go at the King. But I want to stress to our listeners that uh, what's the word entertainment advocates not missing if you intend to go at the King. You really need to watch yourself because, yes, you need that kind of moxie for the Western Conference final where you will be seeing LeBron and the Lake Show. But I promise you, if you think it's easy to guard him now, you're going to have a problem guarding playoff LeBron. So we'll, we'll go there. Yes, facts. That's what I'm saying, because these two are probably destined to me in the Western Finals. And is and Patrick Bev, you keep talking that ish, it's going to be a problem for you if you have to guard him in that time. LeBron will go into beast mode, you know, to say when he gets angry and he's not smiling, he's just right serious. That's when it's going to be a problem for him. And he, Patrick Beverly, he's going to regret talking nonsense. I can tell you that right now. I, I can see him fouling out early in the fourth. It's coming. <laughs> yep, yep. We'll see what happens there. Let's transition now into talking about some pro football news. Bringing up one of the greats going from LeBron. Let's go to your boy, Obed. We have to talk about it. It's been talked about for the past months now since you know the season Beat ended. Beat that dead horse. Beat that dead horse. Your boy, TB12, man. <laughs> Dude, what's gonna happen? I got, I gotta go to you on this one. I mean, we all know. March 18th, he will be a unrestricted free agent for the first time in his career, in his illustrious 20-year career, six championships. Now, is it possible that he could be looking for – He was, well, he could be on a new team, Obed. I mean, I, I really want to know, will he leave or and should he leave? Please speak on it. So, you know, should he leave? We'll start there. I don't think he should. I think this is a match made in heaven that is going to go down till the day both of those individuals' careers are over. Uh, I'm speaking of Bill Belichick and uh, uh, Tom Brady, the GOAT himself. Um, will he leave? I don't think he will. He has made his statements clear that his desire is $30 million a year. They're about $5 million off per year. Uh, and that he wants more weapons. He says, I'll, I'll gladly sign for $25 million. I'll gladly sign under market like I always have. But bring me guys. Don't bring me my Mohamed Sanu and then put him on punt return and have him get a high ankle sprain because you put him on punt return. Let's pay guys to be out here. Belichick was given the reins to build his defense the way he wanted. And what did Belichick do? Put together one of the stingiest defenses out there. But you didn't give Tom Brady enough weapons to go out there and be successful at this time. And fine. Maybe you didn't need to give him a bunch of weapons when he was 24, 25, 26 year old Tom. And we're talking about 41, 42, 43 year old Tom that just won you two Super Bowls over the last four years. And is all he's asking for is a couple more guys, right? He won the Super Bowl pitch and catch with Julian Edelman. If he if they gave him an AJ Green on the outside, right? He doesn't have to be a, a diva wide receiver. That's crazy. You can give him a, a, a wide receiver who's always kept his mouth shut and balled hard every single time he had a chance, right? Dude, like what? That was going to be my point. Go after AJ Green. Go right? after AJ Green he wants because to he leaves Cincinnati. I'm telling you, he wants out so bad that would be. Perfect for Tom Brady. He just wants to go somewhere and work and make and make plays. That's all AJ Green wants to do. And that's what Tom Brady is about. Now, I'll, I'll say this. If there was any other good options for Tom Brady, these are the only three I could think. Chicago, Dallas, San Fran. All these other, there's no reason to go to Tampa Bay. That offensive line will light him up. Uh, there's no well, reason we'll for him to get the Chargers. No. Have what exactly? Exactly. There's no way he could get up in those. Um, it's like a sieve down there, and, and you know Chicago would also have to do some work on their offensive line, but they've got the weapons in the in the uh, offense to be able to sprinkle things around. I like David Montgomery out there. Dallas has the offensive line, the wide receivers, and the running back that Tom Brady could just pick and choose where he wants to go with the ball. And San Francisco, you know, I, everybody's like, oh, Jimmy G, Jimmy G. Again, 
in the four years since we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo, or excuse me, in the last three years that Jimmy Garoppolo has not been with the Patriots, the Patriots went off and won two Super Bowls. What do I need Jimmy Garoppolo for? Please, what do I need for him to sit out one year because he tore his ACL or to play a half year? When Jimmy Garoppolo can win uh, a game without a awesome run game and the best tight end in football, you let me know because that's what Tom Brady had to do last year. Sony Michelle wasn't giving them anything. Most of their run game was coming from James White, and the only wide receiver he had that he could trust was Julian Edelman, and they were still winning games. Jimmy Garoppolo is – there's no way Jimmy Garoppolo is being successful in that Patriots offense the way it was set up like that. But I digress. Well, okay, I, I have to go back to a couple of things that you said. First off, you said Chicago. Now, we all know that it is possible the Bears could possibly bring in a veteran QB, which I believe they want to, to kind of either mold Trubisky or even replace Trubisky, because we all know he's been suspect the past couple seasons. Um, is, do, is <laughs> You know, as you, you, people like to call the Maserati Mitch, I'm going to refer to him as Mazda Mitch. <laughs> but um, I... I, I is this is this even feasible that Chicago could bring in Tom Brady here and you know to really take over? I mean, you know, this is in the realm of of completely out there, but they have the cap space. Uh, you know, I I feel like knowing that Trubisky has one solid year of just sit on the bench for someone, and then another year that they wouldn't have to take his option. Uh, the monsters of the midway. The only thing they're missing is either a running quarterback who can throw. That's why I thought Cam Newton would be great out there. Or a quarterback who can just deliver the ball. They're getting they were getting great plays from Taylor Gabriel. Great work from Allen Robinson the second. My goodness, Allen Robinson looks like he's back to form. Uh, you know, and uh, you, you think of Shaheen out there, Trey Burton as well. It, there's they they got all of the pieces you would need for um, just a tangible quarterback to make plays. You and I both had Chicago winning the first game of the season against Green Bay. Chicago did everything in their power to lose that game. Green Bay did nothing to win that game, but Green Bay left with a W. The difference was the quarterback. Right. Next, you mentioned Dallas. This, I mean, this is probably the biggest hot take of them all. I heard it here, folks, that Obed thinks Tom Brady should go to Dallas. We're going to be talking about Dak Prescott here in a second and his deal and all that. But, man, how can – is okay, let's just say this is a possibility, which I think you're saying it could be. I think it's 0% chance he goes to Dallas because I think Jerry Jones – had think or the Cowboys organization feel like they have their man in Dak Prescott. What makes you think that Tom Brady should should or could go to Dallas? I feel like Tom Brady could go to Dallas because they are definitely a team that could win now. People have no idea how bad it's going to be in uh, Dallas in a few years when they have to pay everyone for how good the team has actually been at hoarding talent right now. That offensive line is going to be worth easily on its own probably $200 million. And you can't spend $200 million on an offensive line. I don't know who else is in, is up, is in that room, but I don't know if you can pay all those individuals to stick around. You're going to pay Dak. I have a lot of doubts about what you're actually paying Dak for. Yes, he had some great numbers last year. Let's all be very mindful that the NFL is changing into a league where guys who can run around more than they can actually throw or don't throw as well as they actually should and have some decent legs can come out here and put together some very fantastic seasons without actually looking like they're very competitive overall when it comes down the stretch. Um, you know, it's, it's hey, it's a very fore, foregone conclusion to say that, hey, that's their guy. Dak is their guy. Um, I don't know what Dak's going to look like in the McCarthy system. 
that is made for a quarterback to throw. Dak has never been that guy. So we'll just see what the numbers look like once he then McCarthy, to his credit, I don't know how good of a coach he is because he played with one of the baddest men in the NFL right now. You know, so I can't say that that playbook is going to come and up the numbers anymore that from what uh, Dak's already done. But, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. And you mentioned San Fran. A lot of people have been talking about that, you know, with New England and San Fran possibly switching QBs with Jimmy G going back to New England. If that if Tom Brady does come to San Fran, you know, Jimmy G is still under contract. So you have to do like a little sign a trade, you know, uh, package put together for them. Um, San Fran, I think, is is I don't think he'll end up there, but I think it's on the possibility Whereas I don't think Dallas, especially not uh, Dallas <laughs> or Chicago is really on that list, but San Fran's on the list. I'm not sure if he's going to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think San Fran would be a, a great fit because, one, you have the defense, you know, which which is always needed. You have an incredible tight end, like Brady had one in Gronk before. You've got some good, you know, good quality receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel. If you got some running backs, I think that would probably be a great, you know, Kyle Shanahan running that offense, you know, you know, as the head coach, I think this would be a good marriage between Shanahan and Tom Brady. Um, and especially the fact that Brady says he wants to play until he's 45. He's 42 now. So the best chance for him to win a title in the next three years, I think is San Francisco staying in New England. Could he win a title in the next three years if they bring if they bring in the pieces? We know San Fan has the pieces already, so therefore that's why I think you know that's a better look for him. You know, I, I'm not really sure where else he could go to win now because his whole thing he wants to win. You know, he's not going to sit around and wait for four years. He's not going to be like I said, three more years. He's done. He's out. He wants to play till 45. What gives him the best chance to win? I think it could be San Fran. I think I heard you mention briefly you were starting to go and talk about the Chargers. I don't think they're there. They're there just yet. You know, they're a couple, maybe a couple years off to three, even three years off. You know, I don't think he has the best chance. Tampa Bay, even though he got a great offense, you know, Bruce Arians and things like that. You know, he can throw the ball on the ball to Mike Evans. Defensively, they're kind of they're stepping up their game defensively, but they're not quite there. Um, you know, other than, you know, I just, I'm just not sure. I don't think, but to me, I don't think he leaves. I just can't see Tom Brady than another organization, to be honest with you. It's almost like when I was even, I, it's funny because almost like when people were telling Michael Jordan, when he went to, when he left the bulls, he didn't go to the, he didn't leave the bulls to go to the wizards. He left the bulls. He retired. He bought an ownership in the team of the wizards. So therefore he was going to play for them. He wasn't going to come back and play for the bulls when he owned the damn wizards. Okay. So that's the reason why there. So it's like, you know, I just can't see it. I can't see Tom Brady really being somewhere else other than New England, especially trying to win. If they bring in pieces, like you said, we talked about age, bringing in A.J. Green, if they can do that, bringing, you know, another solid running back, I, I think they can get it done in the next three years and bring him another title. If not, maybe go to San Fran. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I really don't think. It, but if he does leave, who could, who can New England bring in to really pray, replace him and win soon? Nobody. No, no, I don't care what people say regarding the uh, uh, what's his name, Matt Castle scenario in 2011. That was a complete, excuse me, 2008 after the 2007 season. That was a completely different team. You know, they were able to leverage a good running game, uh, great wide receiver play in Wes Welker and Randy Moss. You know, the offensive line was great. There, there was very little around, uh, very few things that could have been messed up by Matt Castle. This team isn't built for somebody to step in and be successful. I don't care who that quarterback is. 
Okay, I mean, there were people were talking about maybe possibly bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think Jameis Winston could go there. I don't think Bill Belichick can handle him. No. Um, you know, his his work ethic is not up. To, you know, he's not really up up there. Met yeah. Bill Belichick system. I don't know. You know, it's it's a good conversation to have. It's something to think about. I think Bel I think Belichick would definitely want a seasoned quarterback. He's not going to want you know a second or third year guy, so a fourth year guy, you know, young guy. He's going to want someone who's been around the block a few times and who can really lead that team and be that you know that a leader in the locker room, a leader on the field. So I'm not sure who could really go there. It's 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 a, it's a really it's a tough question. Perhaps maybe I was going to say I was actually going to maybe think about throwing out there Philip Rivers. I think Philip Rivers. Will have the respect of Belichick off the bat from one being a veteran guy and you know leading that team, you know he you know he's got to work on the turnover, the turnovers. You know he had quite a number. He had about 20, 20 interceptions last season, because um, we know he's going to be a free agent. I think I to me that's probably the highest possibility. If Tom Brady does leave, I think Philip Rivers going to New England is the probably the best possible answer here. Yeah, probably, you know, as far as uh, uh, the maturity level, the leadership level, the quarterback, I just he would need to be on a team that hands the ball off 20 times and the Patriots don't have the run game for that. Again, I look at what Sony Michelle gave you and even to Sony Michelle's credit, if it's because you lost three starters on the offensive line two backups as well, you didn't have a, uh, many wide receivers that to lean on to force uh, those safeties out of the box. Uh, it was a tough place to run. But, you know, if if Philip Rivers is on a team where they hand the ball off 20 times, he would get exposed and he'll he'll hurt that team with turnovers i got you i got you speaking of his former team the chargers they just actually recently resigned uh running back austin eckler to a multi-year deal um he's coming out to get getting a four-year 24 and a half million dollar deal which includes 15 million guaranteed the minute i saw this man i thought well great for him you know he definitely deserves to get paid he had an outstanding year last year but i also i thought melvin gordon is out I mean, to me, I don't, I don't see them paying for two guys. You know, we all know Melvin Gordon sat out the first four games of the season, holding off for a new deal, which he did not get. To me, you give you, you invest in Austin Eckler. This shows, I think, that Melvin Gordon will not be an, uh, a Charger next season. Austin Eckler proved when Melvin Gordon was out, he can really, you know, lead the way, lead that team. Now again, is it because he had that veteran in Philip Rivers? You know, you know, Tyron Taylor now is looking like there might be the starter next season. I don't know, but do you think Melvin Gordon's on his way out? So it's tough. I know you said they don't feel like paying two guys, but I can't even say that they really paid Austin Eckler. We have to put this into perspective. Austin Eckler was an undrafted free agent, and what he did was amazing, right? But he got the contract that an undrafted free agent would work for and end up getting. Four years, $24.5 million. America, we we report guaranteed money on our contracts here. We are not going to shade you. It is a $15 million total guaranteed contract. That means he's getting about $5 million a year over three years. That's the same amount of money that Mark Ingram got. And Mark Ingram does far less work than Austin Eckler does. The Chargers are showing their hand. They have underpaid for their diamond in the rough quarter uh, running back. And now they don't want to pay market value or at least close to market value for one of the better running backs in the league. Yes, he's oft injured, but I don't know if the chargers are the chargers without the work that they got from uh, Melvin Gordon. So, you, so you're saying that the underpaid Eckler. So does this mean that they saved up money to, to sign Gordon and they'll have both of them back there? I don't think they saved up money to sign Gordon. I think they're going to try to sign Gordon to the Chivo contract that they've been offering him in the first place. Gordon's only option is to go out there and try to take somebody else's money from 
a team that needs running back help. You know, Melvin Gordon could probably go down to uh, Tampa Bay and see what he could do down there as a pass catching running back for Bruce Arians. You know, I just don't believe that the Chargers, the Chargers are not willing to play ball. The Chargers have had such bad financial ruin over the last few years, moving their team, not getting any kind of hype and acclaim moving to L.A. Like they're they, they're non-existent out there in L.A. right now. Um, so I don't think they're in the mood or in the mode to try to spend money, this big time money on a running back, which is the going standard. We talked about this with these guys. They deserve to get paid, right? If you're doing the kind of work that Todd Gurley was doing, that Le'Veon Bell before them was doing, you need to pay these guys, right? The fact that, okay, it, it, the worst one that hurts is uh, David Johnson getting the, you know, 10, 13 million a year at average annual value and then having just a fall off the cliff year due to injury. Right, it's just not getting... Not- yeah, he just didn't get paid. Yeah, he just didn't you know, kind of live up to the hype, live up to that deal that he got. You know, it just kind of fell off. I mean, he had some injuries, as you mentioned, just wasn't really living up to his expectations. To be honest with you, man, it's it's just it's just crazy that the money's getting all this money's getting thrown around and people aren't happy. Going into we kind of briefly wanted to mention before we talked about before Dak Prescott still hasn't gotten a new deal. It looks like the the Cowboys just recently recently sent over a new contract proposal over to him. Um, originally it was rumored that it was offered at an average of about thirty three million per year with a little over a hundred or maybe one hundred and five million guaranteed, and that was not accepted. It's believe it's led to believe that Prescott is looking looking to be in the range of about thirty five million per year. This would pop. This would put him in the upper echelon with the Russell Wilson, who has the who has the most, followed by Ben Roethlisberger at 34 million a year apiece, and then Aaron Rodgers and Goff at 33 and a half million. But is Prescott really worth 35, 30, even 36 million dollars? Is he looking to be the best one, or is he just simply just taking advantage of the situation? Like I said before, the rest of these guys, they're just looking to take advantage of the situation. You remember. You remember all these bad quarterbacks getting that good money. You remember. And he's just thinking it's my time at the table to get this money and keep pushing these contracts until we get somewhere closer. Again, you know, I don't feel upset about the hardball that he's playing that, uh, you know, eventually I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will go back to the table again and play hardball. Um, the NFL negotiated TV network contracts to provide over $4 billion in 2011 to the NFL, even if the owners shut down the league and no games were played in 2011, two of which Judge David S. Doty ruled that the NFL had been actively strategizing for a lockout of the players for more than two years so that they could get what they wanted out of this. More games, less money, less salaries, uh, more control of the players, more control of the asset. I am not mad at players who will play hardball with the NFL because the NFL plays this game very dirty. These guys are putting their lives on the line every week. You have got to find a way to compensate them. You can't have the average NFL career be less than three years and tell me that you're starting health care coverage for them after three years of service, right? It's just, it is very sickening. You're made your money. You're always going to make your money. You know, the, the the new CBA contract had a split of like 51% for the players or 51% for the uh uh, the owners, owners 49% for the players at one point the players used to get 57% of the pie app but then had to pay a billion dollars in operating fees to the owners it, it's you're playing cat and mouse with a bunch of people who have made their entire careers off of the blood sweat and tears of other people so I don't expect them to ever try to yield an inch you have to fight them to the nail I mean and you mentioned it with the new CBA is there a chance that we could see a lockout or strike going on with this deal doesn't get done 
I could. I mean, this is not the first time that the uh, owners have come to the table with, with uh, you know, a longer season. They've wanted 18 games. They've wanted 18. They wanted 17 games. They got that right. Like, they want 18 games, well, but they, they only want wanna... 17. They, they, it's possibly we could get 17. I don't think it's definitive yet. We're getting 17, but that's on the table right now with this yeah. new CBA. Yes. So the 17's on the table, and the 17 might get shot down. If the play, if the uh, owners hear that that gets shot down, they're going to go after 18. I mean, what? Who is that good? Is that good dealing? Is that how you make deals with people? You know, at the end, and, and really, they they show their hand in not wanting to allow an, a roster exemption of any more than two extra players on the team, right? If you have that many more games and Thursday night games where guys are playing two games in one week uh, and you want to add another game on playoff weekend, how are you going to keep up with all these bodies of injured people and you only allow them to have two more players? That's the that's the, the owners being greedy and wanting more football games that they make money off of, that they sell tickets at and they sell merchandise at. And then they don't want to pay any more salaries out, even though you're going to need you're going to need somebody to play mop of duty. You think teams taking a rest of all their starters in week 17 for a bye week is going to be good. Think about the teams who are just like, oh, we're going to the playoffs anyways there's no chance at a buy and we've already locked it up for two games we're not playing starters at all we need them for the playoffs you mean yeah you're right dude it's gonna it's gonna add up to being having more injuries more guys just you know you taking a toll on their bodies more games that you have and like we kind of talked about this before in last week's episode i believe it was you know it's good for the fans you get to see more you get to see more football you know they'll, they'll be bringing in more revenue obviously because you know the league is there about making money of course you know for the owners the players will get more money as well too if there's more games but like you said it's more it's just more risk you know and it's unfortunate that we have to kind of have this debate you know where the guys want to play more and they, they don't it's kind of a shame because people they say always well, they want to play for the love of the game well you know it's but you also want to make sure we're healthy too so i definitely agree that you know it's it's going to be a risk so i, I just it's can I see it happening? 17? Yeah. Will 18 happen possibly later down the line? You know, I, you know, eventually? I think it could happen. I think it could. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, like I said, anytime soon. The 17, I believe, will go, if it is agreed upon, we'll go through this new CBA, which I believe is till 2030 season. We'll look into the 18 games after that, but it's something that the owners do want. So that's left to be seen. But, you know, we'll just see what happens. Um, and you know what, Obed, I think that is going to do it for us this week here on What's the Word Entertainment. Um, any last words for the people? The only thing I had to say, of course, is folks out there, continue to get that hand sanitizer popping. Wash your hands, folks. <laughs> don't be don't be dapping up don't be dapping up people. You want you don't you don't know because you never know what they got. <laughs> Anything else from you, Obed? I want to echo that sentiment. Listen, use your emergency. Use your your hand sanitizer if you can find it. I watched an elderly man shake down a young attendant in Giant trying to find face mask and and uh, hand sanitizer. And I thought to myself, what a sad world we come to. I wouldn't. I, I I bet a fight could have broke out right there between geriatrics over this stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, take care <laughs> of yourself. Make sure you got plenty of water and groceries in the house. Be well. Dude, it's yo real quick. I saw some so people are now hustling face masks on the streets for like five, six, ten dollars a pop. Five, ten for a pop. What you need, son? What you need? <laughs> dude, like two, two, two for eight. Like what the deuce? Like yo, I didn't know the streets was popping like this. I should have got started, started that game a long time ago, man. You need to get some some actual bodegas out here. Go get you a face mask at the bodega. AOC, where you at? 
Yeah, Toma. <laughs> well, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. Don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud.com slash What's the Word Entertainment. And, of course, on Twitter at the WWENT. For Obed, I am Sherm. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. Dipset, holla. Ha, <laughs> ha,